It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? L.J., doing good. We had a fantastic day of postseason baseball. Four games uh, went on today. All four were very entertaining in their own right. Uh, and let's just get right into it because I'm really excited to talk about this. LJ, finally, you know, during the regular season, we were much more news-based in the second half of the year. We could finally actually just talk X's and O's, talk about the actual games, and uh, I'm excited. So let's get into it. Uh, We're going to start with the White Sox and Astros game two. Uh, Yeah, let's get into it, LJ. All right, well... Um, let's go ahead. Should we just talk the line through before we talk anything interesting? Um, Houston, having come into the game, leading the series one zero takes their second win out of the three that are necessary with this nine, four win against the white Sox. here. The win will be given to Ryan Stanek, the loss to Aaron bummer, kind of disappointing, but either way, big bummer. Um, yeah, look, Houston Houston got the job done when they needed to get the job done. I think I'll open this up in terms of commentary with the fact that how often have we seen Lucas Giolito actually step up and pitch well in 
big scenarios. And this is just kind of another example of that as they desperately needed this win because I genuinely do think game two is the most single most important game in a five-game series. There is not a more important game in terms of the effect of the whole series, except maybe game five, depending on how you think of it. Because your options are, let's assume the majority of the time, the team with the home team advantage wins. Let's say it's a one nothing after game one in favor of the home team, the top seed. If the top seed wins again, they now have a 2-0 advantage going and now have three games to get one win. If the other side does, the series is now tied 1-1, and they have the tie-breaking and series-clinching games at home. Like, that is a massive advantage. If you're the home, if you're the away team and you can split the series on the road and the, the game you win is the second game, I think that's a massive advantage. I agree, uh, especially in a five-game series. I would say in a seven-game series, game three is the most important. Uh, but in a, especially when in a, uh, you know, something like the DS, the division series, game two is very important. And look, the Astros come into this up one nothing after Lance McCullers throws an absolute gem yesterday. Uh, it was Framber Valdez who got the start for them. And LJ, he didn't pitch good either. I mean, him and Giolito essentially had uh, the exact same line tonight. Uh, yeah, actually, you can pretty eh, – I, I, I'd, I'd give the edge to Valdez purely on the five walks that Houston managed to draw off of Giolito. They allowed like, the same very, amount of hits. It's very similar. Walks the same amount of hits plus walks but i i do get it the seven hits for valdez only one walk five walks for giolito was certainly not good because the walk sure it's not advancing base runners uh as much as a, a hit would but the momentum that you get from a walk you just grind it out in that bat uh especially when you're at home you know it, at home yeah we all yeah. Uh, again even like especially if you have a good fan base minor control issues will get picked on absolutely i mean fans look, are gonna be go going back crazy go back to the al wild card that's largely what it started with for cole before the, the third inning blow up was yes he wasn't making mistakes in the zone but he made quite a few mistakes outside of the zone in that second inning and every single one of them got picked up by the entire stadium. And that's going to get people loud. That's going to get people raucous. You can't have that. It also, this is a team game. It's easiest to win when you win as a team or lose as a team. It's easiest, but it's easier to lose as an individual player. And a walk to me is losing as an individual player if you're the pitcher. If you can't get your stuff together, to be able to keep the guy from getting the free base or keep five guys from getting a free base, you're making losing moves for your team. Well, in this game, the White Sox jump out to a 1-0 lead in the top of the first. 
Uh, Framber Valdez does get the leadoff batter, Tim Anderson, to ground out. After that, he allows two straight singles to Luis Robert and Jose Abreu. He then hits Yasmani Grandal with the next pitch. He's got bases loaded with one out in the top of the first. LJ, very strange to me. They already go out and do a mound visit. There's only one out in the in the game, and they're already going out into the mound. That's okay. To to approach the next hitter, which he ends up hitting into a force out. It's a deep enough ground ball that allows Luis Robert to score. White Sox go up one to nothing after the top of the first. It would not take long for the Astros to get on the board, though. It was in the bottom of the second inning. Uh, they work two walks early with Jordan Alvarez and Carlos Correa uh, getting it, uh, both walking. Kyle Tucker, who had a big game tonight, comes through with the RBI single. We're tied at one. We then get another mound visit in only the second inning. Two mound visits, one by each team within the first two innings. Uh, Giolito then throws a wild pitch, I believe, that moved the runners to, what would that be, second and third. Uh, Chaz McCormick, I think, was next up. He hit a sack fly that scores the second run for Houston. They go up two to one after the first two innings. LJ, safe to say, neither pitcher got off to the best start. No, and to touch on the mound visit thing, I think this is part of the reason that people are freaking out for over pace of play and why all of these rational changes start being made to pace of play is because baseball is at its like peak. It's at its most watched. It's most cared about in the postseason, And that's when it's flaws show. So you're make what they're doing effectively is making changes based on the postseason that shouldn't have effects and don't aren't relevant through the rest of the year. I went to quite a few games this year. I can think of very, very, very few games in which they used actual mound visits. Any, the majority of the time in the regular season, a manager is coming out of the dugout, even a coach barely comes out, is to pull the pitcher. All of a sudden you get to the playoffs and they're making sure they use all five of their mound visits each game so that I think is a flaw that they're gonna have to look keep in mind with the CBA coming up is the fact that like just because it's in the postseason doesn't mean it is an issue everywhere and you need to keep those things in mind because it can really screw with the sport or at least add unnecessary thought processes to the sport for the majority of the time when it's not relevant that just popped in my head when you were talking about that yeah, you know, um, you do see mound visits in the regular season, but not in the first and second inning. Usually, like, a pitcher works into trouble, and it's just like, okay. Oh, but yeah, it's like, but it's like one a game for one team. Like, out of the 10 allowed, you're maybe seeing three at most. It's in always game. in a high leverage situation where they feel that this is a very winnable game. You know, if you're in a high leverage spot, I totally understand the pitching coach coming out there trying to talk a little bit of strategy to see one in the first, the, the top of the first inning was just a little bit shocking to me, but 
it is what it is. You know, they already changed the rule on the mountain visits a couple of years ago to try to in- increase this pace of play. But uh, remember the first games with the new mountain visit rule? That was some of the roughest stuff I've ever seen. Those players just got so far in their head about not having the pitching coach come out. And I remember I was watching uh, Marlins Cardinals. I can't remember what it was. Marlins somebody. And I kid you not, the Marlins guy could not record an out in the first inning purely because he knew he was pretty much all alone because his team was going to want to save the mountain visits. Yeah, I mean, prior to that, uh, it was that's, – that's part of the reason why pace of play was so slow. What's funny to me is that if you look at the 2021 season – the pace of play was actually slower than any other season in history of the league. Uh, I'm not sure that Rob Manfred's uh, intent with this uh, ended up working. Actually, I'll pull it up right here. None of his intents have actually worked with this stuff. Hold on. I can pull it up right here. Miscellaneous. uh... Yeah. So at least, in the American League, the average time of game was the second highest ever behind 2017, just a minute behind the average. Uh, three hours and nine minutes was the average game in 2021. In 2017, it was three hours and 10 minutes. So that one minute, you know, very, very crucial to, to what they're saving here. Oh, it's, it's important. We need to sacrifice the entirety of the integrity of the game in order to avoid losing that one minute. Well, in terms of the time of an average nine inning game, uh, it was the highest ever this year. Uh, so, and it's like the other thing that bothers me a lot with the pace of play stuff is this three batter minimum. Brandon, I cannot really find the good in it because it just, this is the thing that like the mountain visit thing really doesn't affect the game that much. And I forget who it was. It was somebody for ESPN that said it. Mountains is a stupid thing in, in all of sports because if you were to take it out of existence and pretend it, Brandon, let's pretend it never existed in baseball. What if in 2021 you decided to propose a rule to the MLB that coach could walk out into the field of play during the, during the middle of an inning and start giving out instructions. Now, you would be looked at like you were crazy. See, like, and there's timeouts in other sports, right? Like football, basketball, even in hockey, they have a timeout now. Yes, 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 they have a timeout, but I think the difference is if you add up the timeouts and the stoppages, so, like, if you add in, I want to say they get, like, two timeouts in um, hockey or whatever. You add that, there's about five five full stoppages for these guys. Baseball gets nine stoppages automatically, and that's without things that are being just – you can just yell. 18, actually, because in between every half inning. Oh, in between every half inning, they can get it, yeah. But, like, times they're in the, times they're in the dugout for a long time. Is oh, enough. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, no, still, they can get plenty of signals out. So – you can get plenty of messages out. You do not need it. But that overall has very little consequence on the game. The three-better minimum has huge consequence on the quality of play because 
on any other level except the MLB because the MLB is the only people who have this three batter minimum. If a pitcher comes out of the bullpen and has no control and just looks awful up there, they only pitch to the one batter. They go bring somebody else out of that bullpen who is ready to play that day. Instead with this, you're hoping that the guy you bring in is going to have his stuff. And if he doesn't, that's at least usually at least a run on the board because you picked, you picked the guy that happens to not have his best stuff that day. I agree. Uh, it certainly does make sense, but at, at where I left off here with this game summary, Sorry. Astros go up two to one after the second inning. We are scoreless until the top of the fifth where the White Sox finally are able to jump all over Framber Valdez. Leori Garcia is able to single. Uh, and then Tim Anderson singles first and second now with one out. Luis Robert comes through with another big hit. Scores Leori Garcia. It's tied up at two. We get a mound visit. And uh, Yimmy Garcia comes in to replace Framber Valdez. But with both of those runners uh, on base being Valdez's responsibility, Garcia comes in, throws a wild pitch that moves the runners to second and third, allows Yasmani Grandal to hit a sack fly. And it is now four to two White Sox after uh, the top of the fifth inning. However, Houston responds in the bottom of the fifth. Altuve and Bregman walk. They then take out Giolito. They bring in Garrett Crochet. He immediately walks Jordan Alvarez. Now we have bases loaded for Yuli Gurriel. He singles, ties the game up with a two RBI single. It's four to four. Carlos Correa hits into a double play to end the inning. But LJ, at this point, we were in for a game after five innings. Both teams had gotten to the bullpen and were tied. Yeah, this is this is quite a uh, show these teams put on. I, I agree. It, I told you this was going to be a good series, man. Yeah, but, I mean, again, it's not going to be long. It's not going to be impactful. When, when Houston runs through them on uh, Sunday – it's going to hmm. be you're going to be you're going to be singing a different tune. Well, the part of this game that everyone's been talking about, the bottom of the seventh inning, Houston still tied four to four. Is able to open this game wide open. Uh, the White Sox bring on Aaron Bummer, replacing Ryan Tapera. Jose Altuve leads off the inning with a single. Alex Bregman is also able to single. So now it's first and third with one out. We get a mound visit. Hey, I get it. I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonics therapy. It's not another drug. It's an advanced therapy that is proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. 
Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. After the mound visit, which probably didn't work, Jordan Alvarez singles, who's he's been huge in this series in the first two games. He singles to break the tie. Astros go up 5-4. Craig Kimbrell then comes in to try to save uh, the damage. Gets Yuli Gurriel to line out. There's two outs now, but after that, allows a double to Carlos Correa, which allows Bregman and Jordan Alvarez to score at 7-4 Astros. Kyle Tucker homers, the next batter, nine to four Astros. That would end up being your final. Uh, the Astros score five in the bottom of the seventh inning to win. And uh, I can't say that I was surprised. The LJ, the one thing I'm surprised at, and Tony LaRusa is, look, I get because they have tomorrow off, but why use Liam Hendricks in the ninth inning, LJ, down five? Uh, is there no reason, like, are they just trying to keep him fresh or what? Because are they not going to need him on Sunday? No, it's about form because you think about it, he get he does get the, he gets the automatic day off. And you have to think about the fact that if they drop this game, which they looked like they were and did at that point, they are going to need – every single opportunity to win because they need every single win left. And he is going to get used, most certainly will be used tomorrow, might even not even make it to the ninth inning. Whatever big scenario they have to bring him in for, he will be needed. He will be ne- It'll be necessary as this will be a must win on Sunday for them. So I don't see any reason to not, play him here, get him fresh, get him seeing this team at least once before he goes out there on Sunday because when you're down 2-0, I see no reason not to play like there's no game four. Yeah, and look, I totally understand that. Regardless, the Astros go up 2-0 in the series. Game three on Sunday will be in Chicago. Uh, the starting pitchers for that game will be Luis Garcia for the Astros, 
The White Sox have not announced their starting pitcher. LJ, I almost have to assume it's Carlos Rodon, right? Um, yeah, I thought they did announce it was Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease. Well, well what happened to Carlos Rodon? I, this that was guy, the last I that was the last I saw. Brandon, don't have a connection fit before. No, I'm not. But I mean, is Tony Larusa really not going to pitch his? That's best? what I said. Is well, for starters, why is Lucas Giolito the number two? That should have been the question to begin with. Well, LJ, I'm not sure if you saw this year. Line. I need to check this before I say it. Lucas Giolito, LJ, picked up 11 wins this year. Carlos Rodon, how many wins did he have? Because the win is the most important stat, you know. Yes. I mean, okay, I don't even know at this point because Carlos Rodon had 13 wins. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't know what the the – the move is there um all right so the the um starter will be announced today if you're listening got it um it has not been announced but we want carlos rodon please i want dylan Cease. i think it'll be funny if he didn't get to touch the ball because tony larus has an idiot uh if you imagine if the um the guy who's probably going to end up like second or third in AL Cy Young votes doesn't get to touch the ball in the playoffs. LJ, you're finally realizing why I hate Tony Larusa so much. No, but like, think about that though. Like, how does that happen? I, I genuinely don't know. Um, it's worth noting if the Astros win, it'll be their fifth time making it to the ALCS in a row. Uh, they didn't make the playoffs in 2016, and in 2015, they lost in Game 5 of the ALDS. Uh, they choked really hard in Game 4, uh, where they could have won it. But uh, that would be, what, f- yeah, five five straight ALCSs? At this point, it's a dynasty. I mean, you, you, you can't not say that, that this isn't a dynasty, even though – Sure. Like in other sports, you need to win a certain amount of championships in a certain amount of years to be considered a dynasty in baseball to at least be able to play to make the World Series five years in a row. Baseball's almost too volatile for you to not be able to call this a dynasty. Exactly. With the million different ways that the ball can bounce um, in a game, in a series it's very unlikely that you're going to see a team just consistently go every single year to the World Series or win every single World Series. That just doesn't happen. I mean, you look at it, this Dodgers team is supposed to be the most stacked team in the world, and they're not even going to make it out of the DS round for the second time in the last three seasons. All um, right. Well, let's, let's hold off on the Dodgers hot takes uh, for the current moment. LJ, let's move on to game of the day. Um, Braves, Brewers. Uh, if, if you're a true baseball fan, I think you had to appreciate this game. I appreciated it. Might be slightly hot. Lukewarm take? Tepid. I don't know. Tepid. I mean, let's. Tepid take. Let's get into it just because we have Corbin Burns versus Charlie Morton, two of the best pitchers in the National League so far this year. And um, 
you know, I think that at this point, it's just like, LJ, they both pitched six scoreless innings. It, it was a great game to watch if you were watching them just go back and forth because, sure, both of these offenses have not done a, a whole lot this year, but I just feel like at this point, watching this game, it, it was like, who is going to – what team is going to – make the first mistake first and uh, we're going to get into it, but watching Corbin Burns just mow down hitters never gets old. And Charlie Morton was doing the exact same into the seventh inning. Yeah. It's a situation where I don't know. I just find, I find it fascinating to see this type of matchup because of course you've got solid pitching for Atlanta Atlanta's missing the guy who makes the whole lineup work. Now, are they make, are they finding ways to make it work? Yes, but they have to find things. I think the actually I think the the big issue is you've got guys like Ozzy Albies hasn't really ever had to prove himself as a say number two offensive option. Austin Riley is incredibly young, inexperienced at this point, and so Freddie Freeman's kind of on an island in this lineup. And so as much as they've been making it work all season, they need somebody to be able to step up in these games in a very similar way as Milwaukee's in that same boat where they don't have this, these couple of ultimate offensive superstars that they can just grow, group together, four or five of them in the heart of the order, and have a great time. They need guys to step up in weird spots, and that came today um, off the bat of Tellez the home run you're going to talk about here in a second in the seventh inning, they stepped up. The Braves didn't. The only guy I can truly feel confident is going to step up in the postseason is Freddie Freeman. But what does he manage to do? Because they're not all that focused on anybody else in this lineup. Over two with two walks because they're going to, they're going, they're not going to give him a pitch to hit any chance they can. You're absolutely right. And look, sure, the Braves offense is dangerous, but when you're facing the best pitcher in the National League this year, uh, <laughs> he's going to be able to approach the hitters pretty much any way he wants to. LJ, Corbin Burns in this one would have kept going longer if the Brewers don't hit that home run in the bottom of the seventh off of Charlie Morton. He was only at 91 pitches through six innings he could have he could have gone another one Charlie Morton only at 85 pitches through six innings he does face I believe did Telez no he didn't lead off the seventh um he hit Abasayel Garcia that's right Telez steps up next hits the home run makes it two nothing Brewers in the bottom of the seventh uh, they then take him out. They put in Luke Jackson. He gets out of the inning. A very clutch double play happens there, and then he gets an out of Lorenzo Cain. Uh, however, the Braves do make this interesting. Top eight, uh, they pinch hit Jock Peterson for the pitcher, Luke Jackson. He rips a home run. It's 2-1 Brewers, and it's a one run game. Like they are one hit. They are one crack of the bat away from tying this game up and essentially neutralizing everything that Corbin Burns had done tonight. And even the Tellez home run, 
Uh, Adrian Hauser ends up coming in, pitching two very clutch innings. Sure, he allows that home run, but after that, settles in, ends up working his way through the uh, through the seventh, through the eighth inning, and um, pitched really good. The Brewers hand it to Josh Hader in the ninth, who's been nails this year. Uh, he continues this just torrid stretch that he's been on in the second half of the year, really the entire year. And uh, Milwaukee walks away with a two to one victory in game one of the DS. LJ, any specific thoughts on the seventh, eighth innings, those two home runs, <laughs> anything that you have or uh, just impressive win by the Brewers? Um, no, just look timely hitting that's what the postseason comes down to if you build your team around pitching you can't unless you're there there are very few teams that can have their cake and eat it too you're not going to have this world beater offense and this shut down pitching staff like all the way through there's going to be holes in a team and the majority of these teams like milwaukee who have this really strong bullpen this really strong starting rotation their lineup isn't going to be full of all-stars. But if you can find the guys who can step up in those big moments and get those timely hits like Tellez, you're going to be just fine. Rowdy Tellez, I believe he also did hit a pinch hit walk-off grand slam earlier in in the regular season. Uh, Very timely hitting from him. Charlie Morton, uh, we just can't forget what his line ends up coming out to. He was six innings, two hits, scoreless going into the seventh. He ends up six innings, three hits, two earned runs, nine strikeouts to one walk. The two earned runs come from that Tellez home run. Corbin Burns, who gets a no decision because he exits the game while it's tied. Six innings, two hits, no runs, three walks, and six strikeouts. Hauser gets the win, two innings, a hit, an earned run. And Hayter picks up the save. This game two will be uh, today. It will be Max Freed versus Brandon Woodruff, another fantastic pitching matchup that I am very excited to watch. Yeah, this one will be good. I'm telling you, Brandon, I'm not sure who I would necessarily take if I had to pick those two. Because at his best, when Max Fried has it all working, keep in mind, this is a guy who looked like an abysmal disappointment for the majority of the year and managed to get his ERA down to 304 by the end of the year. I see that as an absolute win for him. At his best, Max Fried is a fringe Cy Young guy, you know, going to be able to get into those top tens a couple times type guys. So I don't think there's that much separating him and Brandon Woodruff when Max Freed's at his best. Since August, Max Freed has pitched in 11 games. The Braves are 10 and one in those games. He's worked a 1.46 ERA on 74 innings. Dude is just pitching wow. lights out. Same could be said for Brandon Woodruff, though, who for the season has a 2.56 ERA. Since August, his lines have been pretty incredible, too. Uh, 
a 3.38 ERA, which certainly isn't the best, but he pitches deep into pretty much every game. He's almost guaranteed to get you six innings. Uh, really excited to see how both offenses are able to handle these respective starting pitchers. But LJ, let's get on to the game that you certainly want to talk about the most, the Red Sox and the Rays. It was Chris Sale taking on Shane Boz for Tampa. This one gets started very early. Top of the first, Kyle Schwarber with the leadoff walk. Uh, Kike Hernandez doubles second and third now with no outs. Devers strikes out. Xander Bogart steps up and rips a single. It is one nothing Boston. We then get the mound visit that we were all expecting, as you we were talking about earlier. After that, Verdugo with a clutch single. 2 nothing Boston after the top of the first. You would think they just hand the ball to Chris Sale with a two-run lead in the playoffs, and he would be fine. Unfortunately, he happens to be the biggest playoff choke in the history of the sport. Um, actually, I shouldn't say history, but one of the biggest chokes in the history of the sport. He's had maybe one or two good playoff starts in his entire career. and he allows a grand slam in the bottom of the first inning five runs in total jordan luplo hits the grand slam tampa takes a five to two lead sale ends up exiting uh in the second inning he only ends up working three outs in this and sure lj i i pretty much know what you're gonna say you're gonna say yes he came back from cy young and all the or from tommy john and all this Luis Severino did the exact same thing, and he looked fine this year. Chris Sale is not the Chris Sale that I'm used to seeing ever uh, in the regular season. This is the Chris Sale I've been used to seeing in the playoffs, though, for his entire career, as I'm struggling to find a good postseason outing that he's had. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. All right, was that your whole rant? Or? I have more, just it's all dependent on what you say here. 
Okay, because I really appreciated you putting words in my mouth about this, the uh, Tommy John thing. But to touch on that, you, you do have to admit that there's a lot of guys that don't come back and bounce back nearly as quickly as others from. Fair. No, that, no, that's exactly, that's totally fair. This type of surgery. But my, honestly, my take, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out here and defend this guy. He has very seldomly stepped up. Brandon, you mentioned, um, I believe you're going to mention game one of the 2018 ALDS as his one good start. I'm counting that and the ninth inning of the last World Series game of 2018. As That's, fair. That's fair. Um, honestly, what I have to say, if you are a Red Sox fan, if you are an MLB fan, and you have not already accepted the fact that he is not a big game pitcher, then wake the hell up. And I, 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 did, I did it a while ago. Honestly, I think that's something you really have, realistically have to have happen. He hasn't stepped up in the clutch. He hasn't had that happen. His one mo- his, his ultimate moment to shine in the sun, what does he go and do? He goes to the emergency room. That's what he does. This is the, this is the like least clutch man in baseball, but I will say honestly, as soon as I as soon as I accepted that he just isn't gonna pitch in the big games, and I can I, I can certainly hold out hope still that he will step up in the big games. I would love to see him start putting Aaron around. As I'm realistic with expectations of him he becomes a lot more fun to watch because you know what you're expecting. And I don't think that hurts his legacy that much because at the end of the day, being a choker in the postseason, that, that stigma is only going to hurt the uber top tier of player because of the lack of success, partially team, mostly team oriented that he's had over the years. You can't put him in the same group as Clayton Kershaw. So I don't even think that playoff scenario experience, uh, experience thing, they're not on the same level. When it was Kershaw, him choking in the postseason was a huge deal because you were talking about him up with the five greats or whatever you want, to, whatever mm-hmm. wherever you want to say. I don't think Chris Sale has ever – gotten that respect he hasn't earned that respect now don't get me wrong he is filthy in his own right and I think as long as you don't put him in that pantheon discussion he is still a incredible value to any team that he's on when he's right like the the great Chris Sale is still an incredible value to any team if you're not expecting a pantheon level pitcher out of Chris Sale in big moments in each time he goes to the goes up on the mound. I think when you have those ex- expectations, yes, he's going to let them down. But when you put him on that next level, I think he becomes a lot more fun to appreciate and looks a lot better in a lot better light. 
No, that's that's entirely a fair point. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad that you have moved him down from, you know, the Pantheon type pitcher and just put him in the the, the very good camp because he's a great regular season pitcher and has been incredibly consistent for his entire career outside of 2019, which, you know, he, which he, he obviously wasn't right. Off. Which was 2019, the year where he got the the belly button ring, and then it got no, infected. No, no. That was 2018. That was that was postseason. That was ALCS 2018. He went to the post sir, to the uh, hospital for that. No, he hasn't been right since then. No, he hasn't been right since August 2018. And if you're going to have any issues with Chris Sale as a Red Sox fan, yes, the money is an issue. But I think the argument should also come from the fact that if he hasn't looked right all this time, if they had to shut him down before the end of 2019 because of these things, if he was having all these issues at the end of 2018, why wasn't it taken care of sooner? It almost makes leads me to believe that they wanted to push through it and try to do the national the natural rest remedy. It didn't work. And then at that point, giving him the contract offer almost becomes a necessity out of respect for the player. Yeah, but why the hell would you offer him a contract instead of Mookie freaking Betts? You, I don't know. you guys paid this guy over a – I don't well, know. Well, I, the other thing is signability. It's, just, it's I, all – I will argue on the signability front because we've seen it before, especially the superstars. It doesn't matter how much you throw at them. You don't, it doesn't matter how much the Cavs throw at LeBron. He's still going to go. Like yeah, no, if, because Betts like never go, ended up saying that he wanted to stay. Never said he wanted to stay. Chris Sale was very pro staying, so the signability was way higher with him than Mookie. If anything, by offering him an extension, you're basically just setting the bottom line for the market when he eventually decides to go to free agency. So I'm, I'm over, I'm, I'm completely over the Mookie Betts take with all of that because it's just pissy sports radio people that don't have anything better to do that talk about it nowadays. Um, back on the Chris Sale front, because I do want to say, I, I think even very good is bad. I would say great. Like there's a difference between great pitchers and outstanding pitchers. I think reasonably you could say okay Chris Sale has a decent case for Hall of Fame mm-hmm. even if he never pitches well in the postseason to save in his life he has a good case at, at making the Hall of Fame I think there is a level beyond Hall of Fame he's got to perform for about another five years in the regular season to really have a case but I agree yeah, I mean, this is the guy who is currently, or at the beginning of this season, was leading, and I believe strikeouts per nine. He still leads all time in strikeouts per walk. Um, there's a couple best ever in strikeouts per walk. Any yes. pitcher ever, yeah. Um, and he led strikeouts per nine before the beginning of the season in that same way, best pitcher ever. And a couple of records that he has, all in that very similar vein of efficiency and dominance. So. I think he definitely holds his own, but as long as you're not asking for him to be like, there's a lot of guys in the hall of fame, but 
Like there's there's a lot more than like five or ten guys in the Hall of Fame. So there's 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 two levels to the Hall of Fame. You're not you're not talking about um, Babe Ruth in the same vein as you're talking. Granted, name your favorite obscure Hall of Famer. Um. I knew, Jeez, you'd, really I, I, knew I knew you'd like this question too much. Oh, um, my favorite obscure Hall of Famer. Jeez, this is actually brutal because I don't, you know, I got one. Richie Ashburn. He's a great oh. player. Richie Ashburn. All right. So the difference between Babe Ruth and Richie Ashburn, you're not talking about them in the same sentence ever, are no. you? That no. He's not a great player. No, he was he was very good, but he was he's no he's no elite level. He's no legend, but he's a great player. That's yeah. why he's in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying with Chris Sale. That's my expectation for Chris Sale. But there's a lot more to this game, as of course, um, the Red Sox managed to keep on chip chip chipping away. And a lot of that comes down to a fantastic relief appearance. The second clutch relief appearance of this playoff series from Tanner Houck, five innings, two hits, one earned run and five strikeouts. Basically Brandon until the, until his last pitch of the, his outing or I'm sorry, the sixth inning, uh, six and a third until six and a third, he was unstoppable. It was also he had a streak coming into this game. I don't know how exactly how many batters it was, but at one point during this game, he had set down his last 30 batters that he faced in a row. Uh, MLB app on the phone sent out a notification talking about how it was like a hidden perfect game or whatever because he retired 30 batters in a row. Uh, if they did a little more research, they'd realize a bunch of relief pitchers have done this in the past. Still very impressive. Yeah, Don't get me wrong, because he have, does go. They've been long relievers because that they, also is different. Because um, in that streak, one of them was a start. And one of them was an incredible start. No, you're right. You're right. Um, but you're right. The Red Sox do chip away. They get two in the third inning thanks to a Xander Bogart's uh, home run and then an Alex Verdugo home run once Colin McHugh comes in, first batter he faces. Houck strikes out the side in the bottom of the third. In the fourth, both teams are scoreless. Top five, Kike Hernandez leads off the inning with a home run. Devers walks next. The Rays then, this is the one questionable move that I think that they made. They bring in Matt Whistler in a tie game in the fifth inning. And look, I'm no like Rays fanatic and I don't know who their guy is. But in the fifth inning in a playoff game, Matt Whistler is your guy in a tie game? I, I, I just don't get it. I mean... And if it was up to me, I don't know who I would have brought in at that point, but I just don't know if Matt Whistler is your guy there. I mean, we've seen the Rays. Look, I'm sure they have some sort of analytics that told them that Matt Whistler is the move there. But unfortunately, the first battery faces is Xander Bogarts, who had an incredible game. He singles again. 
Then we get a mound visit, literally one batter after Whistler comes in the game. After a single, we get a mound visit. Gets Verdugo to line out. J.D. Martinez steps up, rips a three-run home run to dead center field. This would break the game open. The Red Sox go up eight to five. From that point on, the Rays turn the bullpen over to David Robertson, who pitches a clean inning. From there, they go to Michael Waka, who just absolutely blows up. His final line is two and two-thirds, nine hits, six runs, all earned. Uh, the final score in this game ends up being 14 to six Red Sox, thanks to a lot of late runs in the eighth, eighth and ninth innings. The Red Sox collect 20 hits in this game total. Uh, Kike Hernandez, five for six with three RBIs. J.D. Martinez, four for five with three RBIs. Seems like his injury where he stepped on second base and rolled his ankle. Seems like he's completely fine. We even saw Danny Santana make a little bit of a pinch running appearance. Watching Actually, I wanted to talk about the health stuff because J.D. Martinez looked far from fine. But he went four for five. He went four for five. That's more a matter of how good a player it was. Brandon, did you see him try to run to second base? I did not, no. He did not look like he was having a good time. That is the majority of the reason Danny Santana even made it into the game. Little Danny is only there because... Even in an eight-run game, he has no value of you. He has no no, no use. Well, Brandon, he, he didn't play the field. He, he pinch ran for the DH. What do you... Let, let, me, let me answer that question with that stat just there. Um, look, J.D. Martinez, he operated tonight, valiant effort, but let me, don't be mistaken. He was operating under the mindset of it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter how slow you are if you hit a home run because your home run trot can be as take as long as you want. Um, that was kind of his vibe for the day. Look, he stuck it out like a trooper, but you can tell that isn't he isn't 100%. I don't even think he's 90% right now but he's putting together a really good 80%. As for Devers, that's the other one that seems a little weird because he does have the homer today. Am I correct in that? Was I saying things? Yes. He did have that home run low in the zone. He does not look right at all. And, you know, I'd had a couple people mention it to me personally after the um, after game one or in, in, during game one. And then they actually went as far as to bring it up on the broadcast today that he just, he looks like he is hurt, sick, something, but he is just off. And it's not, it's not like a cold spell because you also don't go, you don't go that violently into a cold spell after being dominant for that last Washington series, playing great against the Yankees. Something has happened, has to have happened to him that's making him just off. So maybe we see JD moved up instead of hitting sixth. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that's the other thing too, is JD was a game time decision today too. He didn't know he was going to play until he took BP. So it's probably the, it's probably the smartest move was for him to uh, be low in the lineup. I would say drop Devers right where JD is right now, maybe six. Ooh, actually, I don't know though. 
No, that that's bump up Verdugo. I mean, he's used no, to no. hitting up in the yes, lineup. Because, well, because my thing is, Verdugo and Bogarts are both playing out of their minds this postseason. Like, I, and I then expect, hitting fourth and, and fifth is just crazy to me when you you know take into account the yeah. amount of bats that they get. And I don't know. I, I don't. I don't expect anything less from them because I mean, Xander Xander's a veteran and he's a great player. He should. He. He's going. I should expect not expect it from him, but I shouldn't be surprised to see it. And Alex Verdugo, that's the one thing you can always say. No matter what the numbers are, the dude makes winning plays. So it doesn't shock me either that he's having as good time as he is this postseason. But the issue also comes in for the Red Sox. Do you move Devers down because while he's not at, at the top of his game? he brings a lot of value just sitting in that hole. I mean, that three hole at that three hole, don't be mistaken, Brandon, two walks tonight. I believe it was three walks in the wild card game, at least two walks in the wild card game. So he's getting on base from that spot purely because of how much they fear him. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure you want to give that up until you see that he's not providing the value there. Fair. Because it's, no, absolutely, it's fair. absolutely nice to have that extra base runner there for four, five, six. It makes sense. I don't know. I just, in my mind, as an analytically driven person, I want the best players getting the most plate appearances. Oh, you're right. And if he's not, if he's not 100%, he probably shouldn't be getting that many play appearances. But having that, having those guys all there, I think that. Kike Hernandez, gold glove caliber center field play this year. Christian Arroyo, I'm sorry, has provided no value since he came back. If only you could have a Glacius. Like, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I think Christian Arroyo is certainly capable of doing more than he's doing right now, but he's not. And so why are we kidding ourselves? Why are we, t- why are we pulling Bobby out of, the, out of this lineup? to be able to play Christian Arroyo? Well, the Red Sox go 20 for 45 tonight. They hit 444, 20 hits. I mean, it's really impressive against this Rays pitching staff. They tie the series up at one apiece. Sunday's game will be Nathan Avaldi versus TBD. Not sure who the Rays are going with, but... um. Yeah, excited to see it in Fenway. LJ, I'm not sure. Do you have any plans on attending another Red Sox playoff game? Or uh... I will probably not be at another Red Sox playoff game unless we can get student nines. They did do student nines for the for the wild card game. But, Brandon, I kid you not, I had um, two friends that I happened to be with get the text and both click on the link immediately. And by the time they got into, gone through the signing signing in process, the t- all of the all of the leftover tickets had already been gone. So wow. the odds are incredibly slow. Well, let's get into the last game of the night. Probably the game most people were looking forward to in the nine o'clock start or nine thirty seven East Coast start was not very welcoming to those. It is a Friday night, but still. Uh, Giants and Dodgers, 213 combined wins during the regular season. 
They finally meet in the playoffs. We have Logan Webb getting the ball for the Giants in the first game, taking on Walker Bueller. And we get started right in the bottom of the first inning with Buster Posey stepping up after a Tommy LaStella leadoff walk. On a 3-0 count, Buster Posey gets the green light, sends a home run into the bay. Two-run home run off of Walker Bueller. Giants take a 2-0 lead. From there, it was the Logan Webb show the entire night. Uh, I'm going to spoil it for you right now. He goes seven and two-thirds, five hits, no earned runs, no walks, and 10 strikeouts. LJ, I'm not sure if you were able, I'm not sure how much of the game you watched, but he just was mowing down Dodgers. I didn't get to the game until about the seventh, but you look at the line and it's just dominant. You also look at, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but one of the local San Francisco uh, radio guys, their uh, tweet is going viral of them posting a, uh, it was a video of this like toddler with a T he kept spinning around in circles because he couldn't hit the ball off the tee. And it, it had the Dodgers logo pasted over it. Um, I, I, could, I, I can pretty well tell. I can well imagine exactly what was going on in this game for this Dodgers team. I mean, five hits for this offense, no walks. Again, that just – that is a shame in itself. Dodgers end up going 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. The Giants go 1 for 2. Uh, Giants get a couple of insurance runs. Uh, in the bottom of the seventh, they get a Chris Bryant solo home run. Nice to see him have a big m- moment here. He homers to make it 3 nothing In the eighth inning, Brandon Crawford homers makes it 4 nothing. That would be the final score. Uh, Walker Bueller, who got the start for the Dodgers, his final line, six and a third, six hits, three earned, five Ks. After the Buster Posey homer in the first, he really settled in until that Chris Bryant homer knocked him out of the game. Really, his two mistakes are the home runs. Uh, really thought he settled in and didn't pitch that bad. It's just when you make mistakes like that and you get absolutely no run support, uh, pretty tough to try and win a game. So, uh, look, Giants get the best of the Dodgers here and uh, really impressive game by the Giants. They kind of just do what they've been doing the entire year. It works for them. Uh, The lineup that they put out, you know, like Wilmer Flores hitting second, Chris Bryant hitting sixth. Bryant ends up three for three tonight. uh, And, Really impressed with the Giants overall. Tomorrow's game, game two, will feature Julio Urias going for the Dodgers and Kevin Gosman for the Giants. Another pitching matchup I am very much looking forward to. So if you're keeping track, the games that will be tomorrow, Giants-Dodgers will be at 9.07 Eastern. Uh and then it is Braves Brewers at 5.07 Eastern, the only two games uh, today, uh, Saturday, I should say, for Saturday. Yeah, but, it's 
it's interesting. This is definitely, again, game twos are must-wins. We saw two both, both opposite beneficiaries in the ALDS matchups, so I'll be looking forward to seeing who we get here. But, Brandon, also, am I correct that this season there has only been one road road win in the playoffs this year so far? Yes. Giants won, Red Sox won, the Red Sox beat Tampa today. They're the only team to win on the road this year so far. In the short postseason that we've had so far, you are right uh, with the Red Sox. Yes. Um, Also, my guy, Brewster Gratterall, came in to pitch. Uh, He was throwing 101 miles an hour, and uh, I just – every time – there's a lot of people that live on my floor and I was in the lounge watching this game that they, who they don't watch a lot of baseball. And when Brewster Gratterall comes in, I'm like, all right, just watch this guy pitch and explain to me how he's throwing 101 miles an hour with his pitching motion. I said, it's literally like, I don't understand it. Uh, the other guy who was really pumping it in tonight, Camilo Doval closes the game out for the Giants. Uh, this guy's really young, actually. I don't think he's that old at all. Uh, let me check, actually, how old he is. Camilo Duvall is only 24 years old, just turned 24. He 20? Was, 20? 20? 24. Uh, he's pumping 101 tonight as well. Uh, throws the second hardest pitch of the game. Closes it out, but... Brewster Gratterall, my guy, looked very good. His spin rate uh, was going nuts as well. But Dodgers offense has to do more than than what they did. You can't score and expect to win. That's just it's just a fact. So excited for tomorrow night. Can't wait to see what it brings. But LJ, we do have time uh, to do one. We still have three teams left in our Hall of Fame that we have to pick players for. We have the Detroit Tigers to do. Uh, LJ, let's let's get right into it. We talked a little bit about it prior to the show. There's only like three guys that we're really considering here. Yeah, those three guys. Look, we've got the legend, Miguel Cabrera. You got the young gun, Casey Mize. And you got Skip. You cannot forget the amount of impact, Brandon. You, you didn't bring him up earlier. I was the one who wanted to push this in here because we cannot forget the amount of impact that him getting this job as his first one after everything that happened in Houston. His impact managing this team, I think, has a lot to do with how they got this all together. Because, yes, they have this young pitching, and the young pitching was a huge point of pride and source of success for this team. But this was not supposed to be a uh, 15th in starter ERA. This team wasn't supposed to be nearly as good as they were. They weren't supposed to be a 77-win team this year. And a lot of that comes down to his ability to manage the bullpen and to bring the best out of this offense. This is an offense with the exception of Miggy. There are very few guys that you know from this or knew going into the season. Jonathan Scope, maybe. Heimer, Candelario, that's about it. You're going to get out of this. 
77 wins out of this team? Look, as much as I don't like AJ Hinch and Alex Cora for their part in the Astros cheating scandal, they're there on the bench the whole game. They know exactly what's what's going on. I mean, they could have easily stopped it. Uh, you're right. For the Tigers to give this guy a chance and then for him to come in and prove, like, yeah, I'm still a good manager, it, it's really impressive. More than a good manager. I'm sorry? More than a good manager. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're right. They really don't, they really don't have a lot of talent coming into the into the season. The other guy, LJ, who I think we are kind of and sure we're not gonna pick him, but who had a really solid year. What about our guy Tariq Scooball? Uh, I mean, he finished the year with not a not a bad stat line uh, in in my mind uh if you watched him in the second half of the year really picked it up another one of these young tigers pitchers that uh is going to uh i i hope blossom into a good starter since august he ended with a uh what is it here a 389 era uh, only 19 earned runs over 44 innings pitched. A 4.6 FIP is not the best, not the best, but still was preventing runs. He was really impressive. But LJ, I would not be opposed to picking AJ Hinch whatsoever because the only other manager that we have picked is Terry Francona. Other than that, the only other non-players we've picked is. The guy, uh, the Diamondbacks. We picked Kyle Payne, who's their social me- social media manager. Uh, and oh, I'm sorry, we did pick David Ross for the Cubs. That's right. We also picked Eric Neander. Right, who is a GM. Uh, I would not be opposed to picking AJ Hinch though whatsoever, because unfortunately, as much as I love Miguel Cabrera, we have enough of like the aging superstar in the cat in our that we picked. I mean, we picked Nelson Cruz, we picked Zach Granke, uh, you know, we picked, you know, Freddie Freeman, we picked Brandon Crawford, Adam Wainwright, a lot of these guys we picked. Let's switch it up. I'm fine with picking AJ Hinch here. Um, Brandon, I will leave you with the final answer. Um, also, shout out to, or real quick on Miguel Cabrera. I just want to mention again, I think it's absolutely insane that he was put on MVP ballots, ballots from his rookie year all the way until his age 33 season. From 2013 to 2016, he was on an MVP ballot every single year. That seems wild. But Pujols didn't even do that. I mean, well, Albert Pujols did it from 2001 through 2012. But that's basically the same thing. Basically, the yeah, essentially the same thing. Uh, um, but anyway, I'll leave you with one more thing, Brendan. You can make the final call on this. I'm happy with Hinch or Mize, but keep in mind, Casey Mize was brutally screwed out of an all star appearance this year. He was, uh, and he looked really good, uh, since August, though. Yeah, you know, 
his second half of the year, this back half of the year, not the best. Sure, they didn't have a lot to play for. Uh, I'm not going to take that into account very much, though. But uh, I think it'd be nice to pick A.J. Hinch here. Uh, and look, when we actually get down to voting and seeing, uh, we have to figure out exactly how we're going to break these guys down and get it uh, you know, down to one guy. I'm completely fine with throwing AJ Hinch in here and uh, just seeing where it goes. Because if we were to pick Miguel Cabrera, like I said, we have a lot of guys that are the eight, are old superstars. And then if we were to pick Casey Mize, we also have quite a good group of these young, like up and coming guys too, where he's not going to beat out Tatis. He's not going to beat out... Uh, a guy like Marcus Simeon, I don't think. He's not going to beat out Trout, uh, John Means. So, LJ, if, uh, if, you, if, if you agree, uh, what do we think about A.J. Hinch? Love it. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to recap those two games and finish off our Hall of Fame uh, voting here. But thank you all for listening, and um, we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.